Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Not Another Sales Guy. In the episode today, I'm joined by Unicorn Whisperer, CTO and entrepreneur, Heather Wild. And we're going to be talking all around why it's important to ask the question, what is your worth? This will be involving talking around knowing your value, why it's important to understand and be able to articulate who you are rather than what you do, as well as some practical tips about how you can actually ask this question to yourself and also then present it to others. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Heather, hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thanks. Soaking up the uh, World Cup atmosphere uh, (laughs) after an English win last night. Nice. Uh, And being bombarded with games after games, which is fun. Yeah, um, thanks again for joining me for another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Um, for for us, I suppose, to, to start, it would be great uh, for the listeners' benefit just to give a bit of an overview of who you are, really. Well, um, absolutely. So uh, I'm Heather Wild. I am uh, the CTO of a company called Rocketeer, which does uh, consulting uh for companies around the world, but most people uh, know me for a company that I helped to found called Evernote, um, which uh, is used by over 300 million people around the world, um, and also for a company called Spirit Airlines, which is the number one airline in America. And uh, and then there's some hardcore gamers out there that have uh, that know me for the games that I created for a company called THQ because uh, those are quite popular as well. So I've, I've done a lot of things in my career. Uh, and uh, I'm also an author for Inc., uh, Forbes, and Tech.co. Great. Out of curiosity, what are the games? Uh, so uh, I created uh, a game uh, for for Star Trek. Uh, I, I worked on Star Trek Conquest Online, um, which was a multiplayer online um it was sort of like Magic the Gathering, but for Star Trek. Uh, also, WWE with Authority uh, and a game called Chronix, which is, has a really hardcore fan base. Um, so these these were all um, online uh, multiplayer games, but also uh, Pirates of the Caribbean game um, and, and some others. Wow. Some real stories of success there, which uh, I'd love to find out a bit more, I suppose, later <laughs> on in the pod because it sounds like you know you've you've sort of put your hands in many things there and obviously seen a lot of success from them yeah and failures lots of failures too (laughs) yeah yeah but that's the best way to learn isn't it exactly so the um the topic i wanted to to discuss with you today and you know we were talking about this beforehand about um something that we could discuss that i think would, would bring some real value is this is this question of getting people to ask more around what their worth is, like knowing their value and, and how much are they worth. When you hear that question, first of all, when people are asked to justify it, what, what springs to mind in your head in terms of what you're asking people to do? Yeah, when when you ask somebody, uh, what do they do? Um, the first thing that pops into mind is, uh, I mean, you're asking them, like you said, what what is it that... Um, will be of value to the other person for me to tell you. And mm. um, and you have to instantly do something called like an other person perspective 
think this thought process um, because you can instantly say, well, I'm a lawyer or I'm a doctor because that that gives you kind of an immediate social standing. You know, if, if you are that or I'm, I'm an actor or I've been a Hollywood thing. I mean, like I just did it myself when I said like, oh, well, this is what I do now, but you'll know me because of. And then I just started listing off like Hollywood movies that you, you know, <laughs> and, um, because yeah, this thing that I do, which is really cool. It, like it happens to be really awesome, but you don't know it, but you do know these other things, which suddenly raise me in esteem. Um, and, and, and that's this values exercise that you, you constantly have to, to do, but, um, we as a society, it's, it's like an episode of black mirror, uh, constantly where we, we have to play this political game to to do social proof with each other. And it's it's really causing a lot of people to um, think in terms of what other people think of me rather than what what my own values are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when when people ask you that question, or even asking yourself that question, I suppose more so is why is why is it important that we that we understand more about our worth and knowing our value? What can it bring for us? And then I suppose there's a secondary part to that question: what can it bring for those around us, particularly customers, for example, or colleagues? Well, uh, I mean that that's a huge question. Like knowing who you are is is really important because that doesn't change. I mean, we are not one thing. We are not just a doctor. We are not just a lawyer or a game designer or um, a CTO or whatever. Um, We are all of those things and many, many more. And it's important that we take in the perspective of the person that we're talking to, obviously, when we're we're doing this initial um, introduction, but not losing sight of the fact that how you value yourself, um, what what you find valuable about yourself is probably what's going to be the most valuable thing to other people. Uh, that is is really something that people lose sight of. So when if you think about it this way, when when you're excited about something and truly excited about something, then other people will pick up on that and be excited as well, even if they mm. don't find it interesting. So if, if you're a lawyer that doesn't like being a lawyer, then people won't care that you're a lawyer. But if you're a banjo player that absolutely loves playing the banjo, then people will be like, oh my God, will you play the banjo for me? So that's, I mean, that's, that goes to the values of the person. So one is happy and lets it shine through and the other one is not. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you mentioned one point there, which, which I was thinking of why it's important that we understand how much we're worth and knowing our value is that it's the, the main reason why people buy into us and what people see firstly, you know, whether that's in sales or everyday life or it's friends or relationships, it's, it's not necessarily what we do, it's who we are. And that's the, the key thing that, that people can relate to. And, you know, particularly in this world where there is so much competition, 
um, particularly now with how social media is in society that people can find out much more than they did before it's even more important that you can define who you are rather than just what you do because for example the lawyer example there's plenty of lawyers and when you just tell people what you do you're just putting yourself into a box and almost devaluing yourself versus when you're able to articulate who you are after maybe sometimes defining what you do for the purpose as you said for other people to be able to relate to it that's when you can start differentiating yourself from the competition absolutely um there uh, going back to the the lawyer or barrister example like there's there is a lawyer in the united states that um is a stand-up comedian and i mean i'm sure there are plenty of them but um, they never introduce themselves as a lawyer. Um, they only ever tell people that they're a stand-up comedian. And um, the only reason they became a stand-up comedian is because uh, it helped them in uh, their cases when they were arguing them because they needed more, uh, more flair uh, to argue in front of juries. But they get more joy in being a comedian than they do being a lawyer. So their job doesn't define who they are. And mm. we, we lose sight of that all the time. It just who, what we do is not who we are. No. And, and, and going back to, to the other point around, you know, if we just stick to what we do around putting ourselves in the box, we also limit our potential. I mean, I quite often hear and I've heard people, um, you know, throughout my career, I'm sure you have, I'm sure the listeners will relate to this, hearing people in their role saying, that's not my job or yes. I don't do that. And because it's, they're just focused on so much what they do. But if you're focusing more about who you are, it's more about, okay, who you are is wanting to go beyond what you do. But if you just stick to what you do, you're never going to be able to grow. You're never going to be able to develop. And it's almost creating that act as if mindset of, you know, taking who you are, and, and moving beyond what you do because what you do will change but who you are as you said at the start might evolve but the key principles will still be the same well so there there's a definite thing in there to unpack when you hear that's not my job for an entrepreneur that is probably the worst phrase you can hear from anyone else it just instantly shuts mm. you off it's like do not like you know um but as you as you get further into companies, you 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 tend to respect people that that can actually set boundaries like that and say, no, I I recognize that that's not something that's within my skill set. It's just, um, but because some people can grow and love to learn and and do other things, but they'll only ever be eighty percent at any one thing. And then there's, there's definitely a need for people that are specialists that go f full rabbit hole, 100% in any one specific thing. So, I mean, there, there is a place for both. Um, I mean, I absolutely love that there are, uh, people who can, I mean, who the thing that they love to do is become the guy that creates the bios for, uh, Apple computers. And that is his one thing. Um, and he'll be like, if, if you tell him, can you change the coffee filter? He'll be like, no, I'm thinking of a BIOS right now. So, um, so there's, there's definitely uh, lines in the sand uh, 
for for that kind of thing as well. So I don't want to I, I don't want to turn off all the people that are like not my jobbers, but I recognize that entrepreneurs hate that phrase. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think also um, a key part of this as well, when you do start asking the question of of knowing your, of, you know, what your worth is and, and knowing your value, it also comes down to knowing, being more self-aware of who you are and what works for you, and particularly whether that's um, selling or, you know, everyday life or in the world of being an entrepreneur, you understand what you're good at and what you're not good at and what your style suits in certain situations, really. And you, you, stop becoming trying to become everything to everyone and know more about you know what works for you and by knowing your value you know that you're always going to look to work with people that that realize your value rather than you know maybe not necessarily appreciate it and that might be in work that might be in friendship groups and all over but it really helps you kind of define those kind of um, relationships as well I think absolutely yeah when when you're looking at other people and you see that the skills that you have, that the hobbies you have, the interests you have and knowing what you like, you can help find things that you're missing. And that also is a way to grow. It's a way to stretch. So rather than just find people to surround you at work at home um, that are exact clones of you, um, you Mm. can find things that you're lacking. And, and that is, why you should like constantly be doing inventories on yourself. Like, I mean, we do postmortems at work to see what we, what we know, what we don't know, what resources we have and stuff. I mean, do the same thing of yourself and, and, and then you can see where you need to grow and where you don't. Mm. Absolutely. I find it such a, um, I think we spoke before the pod actually, and I told you a story and I went away last year uh, I went away for six, six or seven weeks, and I always find being away, um, you know, out of out of your comfort zone, sometimes in the wilderness, wherever you might be. Um, I think I was in the Philippines at the time, and you'll come across people, and quite often the conversation will centre more around who you are rather than what you do, because it mm-hmm. is so easy in a in society. Obviously, when you're, for example, for me, when I'm in London, you'll meet people in a bar or you know, meet friends of friends, and one of the first questions will be that because it's kind of it kind of fits the mold but when you're away and you're you're sort of laid bare i suppose from all of this kind of uh like if you're not in a suit and you're not in that kind of work mindset it allows you to sort of open up your mind a bit more of wanting to know about who people are rather than necessarily what they do well i find it funny as well that uh as i get older um i'll have conversations with people and people that i haven't known for ever i mean even people that i've known for 10 years or or more I'll I'll introduce myself to someone around them and they'll be like, I didn't know that about you. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm over 40 years old. Like I've lived a long life. I've done a lot of things and I'm sure I don't know everything about you too. And yeah. um, I actually, I play a game with my partner uh, where we ask, we randomly ask each other questions sometimes about like, what do you want to know about me? And uh, we do that with each other so that, because um, I said to him once, uh, I, I probably know everything about you. And he was like, no, you don't. And then he told me something uh, that I didn't know. And, uh, and so ever since then, uh, we, we randomly do this to make sure that like, we get in all of the things uh, that we possibly can. 
you can't really know everything about a person unless you've been with that person every day of their entire life. And I don't think anybody is like that. So um, it's, it's really how that person chooses to show themselves to you. And when, and the thing that, that does change is, is what they're doing in their life. But um, as we grow, who we are, what our values are, those are, those are pretty constant. So as long as you're always going values first, vision mm. first, dream first, um, and then you get into like what your interests are, what your work is, then, then I think that you can have a pretty consistent bond with people that you meet. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a, another way to look at this as well with the, with the same kind of mindset is is taking this approach when you're speaking to your customers within the world of sales is, you know, you mentioned they're starting off by understanding their values and their vision. Quite often as salespeople, people might just go straight into what they do. Whereas if you look to understand more about who they are, you get a better understanding of their makeup and, you know, the origins of why they even started the business in the first place. And from there you're able to fix, for example, if there are issues or if they're looking for growth things far easier because you understand the kind of culture a bit more and, and the meaning of meaning behind it rather than just what they do. Well, I was on a sales call the other day and um, the way I generally uh, approach sales is I always ask um, qualifying questions to find out what the other person's problem is before I go into any kind of pitch because it's, it's basically the whole sell me this pen method where you're asking somebody to tell you what their idea of a pen is and, and what they need in a pen and what they feel that their uh, requirements are. And then you're like, well, this pen does this and this and this and this, and, and then you're able to sell them the pen. And so I, I basically have always done that naturally. And the other day on a call, somebody was like, oh, well, I, I don't have much time. Can you just show me a demo? And, mm. and I was like, uh, I'd absolutely love to show you a demo. Can you just answer me one question first? <laughs> and, and, and they were like, oh, sure. Just one question. And that one question I was able to get like six answers out of <laughs> that, yeah. that, I, that I then was able to jump into the demo. But I mean, it's, you you can't let people fluster you, but you have to get that information first. And if you don't, then you're just ramming a product down someone's throat that you don't know if they want. And you, you don't know if you're going to use the right language. and You don't know if they're mm-hmm. thinking something completely different. So, Yeah, and exactly. If you, like you say there, if you don't get the information or the insight straight away, all you're going to be telling them is what you do, not necessarily who you are, because you're just going to be able to give them something generic that isn't going to necessarily relate to their needs or their style or what they're looking for or their problems. Right. Um, and it's just going to blend into the other co- the rest of the competition. So sometimes, as you said, well, sometimes all the time, it's good to be able to push back when you do have those situations, whether that be on a call or in a meeting and say, look, you know, all I'm going to be able to do if we go down this route is give you something generic that's really not going to make any sense to you or any add any value to you. So I, I need to spend a bit more time asking a bit more around the business for, for me to be able to do that. And I think, you know, having that kind of challenger mindset, the right type of customers will appreciate and the ones that don't may not necessarily be the ones that are right to work with. Absolutely. And 
one thing that a lot of people get into trouble with is they think that they have to close every sale. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think the always be closing mentality is, is in people's heads, but that doesn't mean that you have to get every single client because not everyone matches you. Not, not everyone is, um, maybe like everyone is a client, but they're not all yours. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, so yeah, if, if, they are put off by you, then, then just move on and move on quickly. And don't, don't keep uh, trying to push something down uh, their throats when it's not the right product. No, no, absolutely. So from, from a practical point of view that for the, for listeners, how would they, how, what some of the tips or advice could you give them on how they get better at, I suppose, articulating or knowing or even promoting their worth or their value? So one of the first things to do, like I said before, is is to really do a um, kind of inv- a values inventory on yourself. So in order to do that, it's it's really start thinking about all of the things that make you unique. Um, what is it about you that um, that you can do better than other people? What is it that makes you excited uh, to do? Like, so, so, okay, so you're a great lawyer, um, but do you like being a lawyer or do you like being a comedian? Do you love to cook? Do you love to ski? Like, so anything that you really love to do, put that down. And then, and then what is it that you love about that thing? And keep drilling down until you find the core of the thing that, um, is attractive to you. And once you get to the core of that, you'll actually find that they're all probably very similar. For example, if you love being a comedian and you love uh, going on uh, group hikes in the jungle and you love um, being on stage and all of these things, and you love being a lawyer, then probably the the, the thing that you have a value about is uh like performing for other people and you and you probably enjoy that feeling that you get um and you're probably really good at it if you're a successful lawyer so that is probably your overarching core value so how can you use that to power everything you do and make everything even the things that you're not excited about successful Mm. I mean, you've mentioned there around, you know, what motivates you. I think it's it's an important part here. You're going to understand a bit more around knowing your worth and asking yourself about how much you're actually worth is knowing you're being clear on your goals and your motivations because that's what obviously excites you and that's what just mentioned there is kind of linked into who you are and what makes you who you are, really. Yeah, um, and but when you're saying, like, what are your goals? What are your motivations? What are I mean, that seems like an exercise to people that they just – it's a buzzword that they don't really want to do, you know, or they don't understand it. So when they have like an actual framework of how to do that and what they're looking for, it, it actually, I think helps them. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think what's also important here is to, is, is a lot of reflection Um, for me. uh, You know, I'm a big firm believer in, you know, a lot of people, particularly when you're in the world of sales, reflecting on all the negatives, all the things that have gone wrong, but, you know, reflecting on, 
the positives and things that, that have gone well, whether that's a particular deal or a call or a meeting um, or even a month or a year, but asking yourself, you know, what was it that, that made that successful? Getting more self-aware about why it was successful, what you did from it, how it made you feel and all of this kind of good stuff really because then you're able to think, okay, how do I continue to do that? For example, if I you know, had a really good month the last month, what was it? That, that contributed towards that what was it that excited me and how do I kind of you know keep keep that in mind moving forwards mm-hmm. yeah so that's, so, that's what uh, I got there I think yeah and I mean that's again it's post-morteming everything you do but not to the point that you're annoyed by doing it so mm. all of these things need to be exciting and um something you look forward to doing um as soon as they become a chore then you have to cut them out mm-hmm. yeah and i suppose as you said it's it's how you design it then and knowing about your style as to how you make it exciting in the first place mm-hmm. um it's a bit like for me um you know i enjoy uh keeping fit and keeping active and going to the gym but as soon as my routine gets boring i need to change it up because i need to keep it exciting for me because i don't want it to make it feel like a chore because I know it's benefiting me, but at the same time, I can still keep it fun and interesting. Right. Like for me, I absolutely, I I love the work that I do, but I know that if I do it in an office, I get demotivated. So I'm a digital nomad. So like every day I'm somewhere different. Well, not every day, but like pretty much every week, my view is different. And Mm. that's what keeps me motivated to doing the things that I do. Hmm. Yeah, and I think some people, people sometimes people almost fight that and uh, sort of think, oh no, you know, I shouldn't be like that. I should put up with it. It's like no, you, you know, everyone's different, and just find find the right surrounding, the right kind of people, and and go with that. Don't feel like you have to put yourself into a box again about what everyone else is doing. Once you know a bit more about who you are, you know what works for you and what doesn't. And and that goes back to the beginning too. I mean, we get caught up in the fact that. Our our world right now is based on other people's perceptions of us. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about here is that you can't judge yourself based on other people's perceptions. And it's, it is difficult to, to strip all that away when you're coming up with what is my own value, because we're so used to, to judging our value based on other people. So, I mean, I, I don't think we'd have as many lawyers or doctors uh, or even actors if it wasn't based on what other people thought of those professions. So um, if if we could actually be truly honest with ourselves and and what we're good at, what makes what drives us and and how we're driven to do those things, then. I think the people would be a lot more uh, successful at what they do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been, you know, just, just from talking to you there, it's sort of uh, given me a few, a few different avenues to think around, around that topic. And and I'm sure from the listener's perspective as well, to, to maybe open up a bit more of a perspective around this and, have a bit more time of reflection thinking about this question rather than just being head down day by day and not really thinking about it. So, so that's been, that's been great. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, 
what I'd, what I'd love to see now, Heather, actually, is I know you, you mentioned at the start, as I mentioned, the number of stories of success, but I suppose it would be good to kind of not necessarily take it all the way back, <laughs> um, but to understand a bit more about your your start, your your origin, I suppose, your story of, of this comes maybe down to who you are, but what got you into this kind of, I suppose, journey that you're on right now or, or and career of what you've built? So it, it, it does go very far back. Um, when I was eight years old, um, my father gave me my first computer. And um, within an hour, I had taken it completely apart. <laughs> and um, he, he uh, came into the room, saw all of the pieces on the floor with his uh, eight-year-old little girl there. And um, his face turned completely red. And uh, then he just put one finger up and, and got the words one hour out <laughs> and then backed out of the room, closed the door and then said, and then um, within an hour I had uh, the computer put back together and um, uh, from memory of having taken it apart. And uh, I was already writing my first program. And um, by 16, I was uh, on track to, um, I was already in college and uh, working towards the uh, career that I uh, mentioned before. So I, computers were my, the love of my life. Um, it was, uh, I had a lot of encouragement from family, friends, teachers, everything. I was never told, oh, girls don't do that. Um, mm. Like that, that wasn't a thing. Um, so uh, yeah, so that, that was, very, very important, um, a very important key that like everything that I ever wanted, uh, that I wanted to do, I was able to do. And, um, computers were the part the, the big turning point. Great. Was there anything in particular in the first place that, that drove you to that or was it uh, an interest in the family or? <laughs> well, um, at the time computers were just a fad. Um, it was like the new toy that, that, com that families were getting. Um, and so this was, uh, 1984. So like this was when apples were being released, but we were a PC family. Um, but so, but like, this was like the fad sweeping the country, um, over here in the U S. Um, so everybody, uh, that could was getting a computer at that point in time. And, um, my dad got me one and, and, uh, that, that was history. Nice. Nice. Well, it seems to have uh, paid off this nearly over the years. Yeah. Um, from, from that, um, what would you say then sort of over your, your career and I suppose related to stories has been, is there any particular one piece of advice or story that you can remember that's even to this day, you kind of recall whether that be to, to make you smile or just to remind you of, you know what what's key to focus on um i remember uh so i've had a uh wonderful mentor uh throughout my career um he was uh the man that hired me right out of college um at my first game company and uh he told me that uh among other things that i am the employee that he he measures other employees against when he's hiring. <laughs> but, um, 
but he told me once there are no stupid questions. People are only uh, stupid for not asking them. And that has stuck with me uh, through my entire adult life because um, I just, it just flipped a perspective for me that like it meant that I could ask anything. It just opened up the world for me to say like, it doesn't matter if like in the middle of a meeting where I'm the expert that everybody's looking at. And I just stop the meeting and I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) because half the time other people are in there and they're just clueless, but they're just nodding their heads because they expect Mm. that. But if, if I'm the one that is able to say, can you explain that to me? Cause I really don't know what you're talking about. Then they're like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, that, that little piece of advice has, uh, has done me a lot of good and it makes yeah. you look smarter. If you ask a question, even if it's, if you think it's a stupid question, it's not. Mm. Yeah. And I suppose it also, if the person, um, you're asking it thinks it is, then they, they and themselves probably aren't, in the right kind of frame of mind really um to, to deal with it yeah because i mean usually if the smartest person in the room can't figure out what the other person's talking about then uh you haven't done a very good job of explaining yourself no no and you and you're you're almost well you are doing them a favor by asking that question because if yeah you, know, you should be able to simplify anything uh you're talking about i mean i was speaking to one of my guests the other week uh sarah joe crawford we're talking about storytelling and I asked her one of her tips and she said, you know, practice speaking to your nieces and nephews, you know, your four-year-olds, yes. seven-year-olds and being able to articulate what you do. Because if you're not able to explain to them, then, you know, you don't understand what you do well enough. Oh, and that that actually brings up something else that uh, I don't remember where I read this or who told me this, but um, that you should always write at a sixth grade level. Um, as even your, um, your white papers. So like, no matter what I write, uh, I make sure that it, it's between a sixth and an eighth grade level. Um, mm. and that, that makes sure that, that it has the widest comprehension. So even though like I want to use big words, <laughs> I force yeah. myself to, to lower the, the, the fancy words. I mean, that's why Harry Potter is such a, a uh, widespread book because I mean it's young adult as opposed to adult fiction when it easily could have been. Um, so I mean even when I was writing white papers, I was coming up with the easiest way to technically explain things. Even the patent I've written <laughs> is as easily yeah. worded as possible. Yeah, because I suppose the beauty of that is you're you're not making any assumptions. Then when you are making uh, writing maybe a bit of a higher level you're making a lot of assumptions that the reader, uh, whoever comes across it, is going to be able to understand this. And, you know, as as human beings, if we, if we don't feel like we understand something, we're intimidated by it. We don't really buy into it necessarily. So right. the more simplified it is, the easier it is to understand, but then also most importantly buy into as well. Exactly. So we're sort of bringing it back to present day, I suppose. Where do you where do you continue to source your your motivation and your inspiration from? Whether that be particular books or podcasts or, or people, what what does it for you? So um, one of the things that I do, as I mentioned, is I travel, um, and just every day I meet somebody on my travels that 
is, I mean, they're usually just normal everyday people, but I just have conversations and, um, and, and that makes me feel better about the world, which is an, an ending source of inspiration to me, just learning about different cultures, um, which helps me in my work because I have to design products, um, to, that are in the world. Um, and, and then, uh, for, as for people that aren't traveling, there's this wonderful man, uh, Jay Shetty, uh, who has, uh, he has a YouTube channel and a Facebook, uh, watch channel as well. Um, who he has uh, every day, multiple inspirational, uh, things where he does the same thing. He takes uh, down to a sixth grade uh, comprehension style of uh, texts that are like 2,500 to 5,000 years old um, and brings them up to uh, current day. And it's really awesome. He's amazing. Um, and then I also, uh, I mean, I, I read a lot of uh, science fiction, actually. So uh, because again, because I'm an engineer, a CTO, I, uh, I I have to think about the world of the future. So uh, so science fiction. Um, a big fan of Philip K. Dick, Neil Gaiman, um, and and people like that. Mm. Isaac Asimov. What's your What's your favorite book? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Nice. And favorite film, science fiction wise? Oh, oh my. There's so many um, that that you, is difficult. Do you remember Gattaca? I love Gattaca. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yes, Gattaca yeah. is wonderful. You know, so um, my favorite guilty pleasure science fiction movie is Hackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, so yeah, there's there's a line in there that I always love to quote. Risk architecture will change everything because it didn't, but it was funny. <laughs> nice, nice. So, um, Heather, I suppose a uh, closing bit of advice for the listeners, and this doesn't necessarily have to relate to the topic we've talked about today, but is there anything other, other tips or advice that you'd, you'd like to share that you feel has been valuable to you or the listener's perspective they would benefit from? Uh, so uh, there's so many tips, but I think remember to take other people's perspectives in, but don't lose sight of yourself because you are still the most important thing in your own world. And when you're selling to other people, you can't lose sight of that. So your product is still your product. And if you keep changing it uh, to suit other people, then you've lost sight of that. So you can take in other people's perspectives. You can take in other people's values, but you can't lose sight of your own. Nice. Very well put. So, um, Heather, how could the listeners, if they want to stay up to date with uh, following you and finding out what's going on, what, what country you're in and so on, where can they find you? <laughs> uh, so they can follow me on Instagram uh, at Heatheriel, uh and also uh, uh, that's the same on Twitter and on Facebook. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for your, your time today, Heather. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you and gaining some of your insight and also your stories 
um, which I think, you know, also from the listener's perspective, they're going to enjoy listening to. Thank you too, Chris. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. And for the uh, listener's perspective, thank you for tuning in for another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Thanks for listening, you lovely people. If you want to stay up to date with the latest goings on in terms of the podcast series, then you can find me on Instagram, not another sales guy with an underscore in each of those words, Chris Hatfield on LinkedIn, or via a website, www.notanothersalesguy.com. But until next time, stay tuned for another episode.